0: WCLS in Whatcom County presents Library Stories, a podcast to open your eyes to all the ways your local public libraries matter. Join us as we reveal the power of sharing at the library. I'm your host, Neil McKay, online experience coordinator for the Whatcom County Library System. And today, it's time to uh Bring on the podcast, and I'm here with Mary Vermillion, my boss. Good morning, Neil. Good morning. And we've got just this action-packed show.
1: I know. I feel like we should just sprint right there, just cut through the chit-chat. I'm going to pour myself a big mug of tea here and uh, listen to this amazing show you have, it just, sounds like.
0: Just a couple of hints. If you're, you know, you will you will learn about uh, young adult books, and, and you don't have to be a young adult to enjoy them. You'll also...
1: Actually, yeah, that interview between Emma and um, Marie is great. If you are interested in publishing in general, mm-hmm. it is a wonderful conversation between these two young women who talk um they are so knowledgeable about um, about books and and publishing, but they talk specifically about young adult because that's Marie's passion so yes, yes mm-hmm.
0: and and. Uh...
1: Y A, also known as Y A. Y A, yeah, yeah.
0: There, there are some acronyms thrown around. I should, there should have a disclaimer at the beginning yeah. of this podcast. Flashback to one of our first podcasts
1: <laughs> and Neil's um, dislike of acronyms, and they are kind of peppered throughout this. They, they are podcast. so,
0: so try and keep up. If there's anything you don't understand, feel free to write us, and we will explain in the next podcast <laughs> what the acronyms or or the or the terms because because Marie and Emma are are. High level Mm -hmm. uh, library people, Mm -hmm. and they can talk a good talk about Mm -hmm. library, unlike me. And you know, Mary, you do pretty good.
1: I can fake it. You can fake it, but
0: (laughs) I just fall apart when we start talking about acronyms. So, yeah. uh, The other term is new adult books, which I learned. I didn't know that term. I didn't
1: know that term either. I don't think. And you know, so yes, that's a great conversation. Again, if you are, um, if you like young adult. Uh, works, then you're going to enjoy the conversation. But if you are just interested in the world of publishing, it is really, you're going to learn a lot by listening to these two.
0: Yes. That's the end of the podcast. Before that, we have Jonathan, who is the, um, the branch manager at Blaine.
1: So it'll be really interesting to meet him and learn a little bit more about him.
0: Yeah. He talks a lot about himself, but also a lot about um, Blaine and all the goings on that, Mm -hmm. that happen in Blaine. It's a thriving, uh, community of, of people who get out and do stuff. Mm -hmm. And the library is a part of, of many events coming up this summer and, you know, and throughout the year.
1: Absolutely. And, um, summer is beautiful time to visit Blaine, of course, the waterfront community, beautiful Blaine by the sea. So, um, and I know one of those events is a new running and walking
0: A new group. running yeah. running and walking group, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, so these new running and walking groups, there's, they're at three of our libraries, uh, Deming, Blaine, and Lyndon. Yeah. And th- some of them are running and walking, and I think Lyndon is just walking. Lyndon is just right. walking. So um, – uh, that's just a really, a new thing that the branch managers, after, you know, listening to their community and hearing what folks might be interested in, those three um, libraries said, hey, we think that a running and walking group would really be welcomed here by um, people in our community. And so those are starting, they're actually starting this month, right? In May. Yeah, they
0: are. Yeah. Ne- next week, in yeah. fact, by the time, what, as we're recording this. Yeah. And I will be up in the Blaine, uh, the, oh. the first Blaine running uh, get together
1: and with your microphone i with hope my, i'll bring yes. my microphone okay.
0: we'll see what happens when yeah. when a, a old guy gets out and <laughs> starts stomping around uh, but but yeah it's it's something well you'll learn about it and it's, it's achievable. If you just feel like getting out and moving, mm-hmm. that was how, that was how Jonathan put it. You yeah. Know, just get out and move. Yeah. And that's gotta be good for you. And the
1: motivation of other people, you know, mm-hmm. like you're meeting people there at the library and, you know, if you're running or walking, you're probably going to be talking about some good books. What have you read lately? What yeah. have you watched? And so it's just, if you need that motivation of having other people kind of cheering you on or at least having an appointment and people expecting to see you
0: there that's (laughs) what i need i need to be held accountable to get out and 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 move whatever it takes yes and then we start out with an interview uh that you did just yeah weeks ago i
1: think that was just two weeks ago i hadn't been out to sumas so um People listening will remember, of course, that in November 2021, there were devastating floods in uh, Whatcom County and Sumas was, in particular, was impacted. And the library there in Sumas um, has been closed due to flooding, flood damage. And we're working very closely with the city and with the friends of the Sumas Library on how to bring library services back to Sumas. Um, And we already have great services there temporarily, the bookmobile, some holds pickup I don't need to go into everything because we have some great comments from Kayla, Sam's, mm-hmm. who I met out there in Sumas a couple of weeks ago, and we walked through the <laughs> empty library building. You know, all the flood damage has been removed and everything's cleaned up, and it's just a, the shell of the building waiting for library services to come back. And we're
0: and you can hear that in the interview. You mm-hmm. can hear that this is a this is a emptied out room. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just kind of. Uh, Brings a vibe to it.
1: Yeah, and I don't know what pictures you're going to use in the show notes, but standing there talking to Kayla in this empty space and looking, most of the sheetrock has been removed from the lower part of the walls, obviously, was water-damaged. (laughs) <laughs> and so there's this part, you're looking back toward where the children's area was and uh, the top half of a painted giraffe on the wall. <laughs> like the bottom half's <laughs> missing, but there's the top half of the little giraffe head poking out. And um, so that's still there. Uh, yeah. So it was good to get out there and visit Zoo Mass.
0: That's interesting. If it had been a hippo, you wouldn't see any. Wouldn't have
1: seen any of it. That's right. Maybe the ears. But...
0: All right. Well, let's, let's get on with this show because we got a lot to bring you. Great. Can't oh. wait. All right.
1: so i'm here in sumas today i'm coming out to see the library post flood november 2021 and i'm with kayla and kayla what's what's happening here i'm seeing a lot of kind of missing sheetrock and empty spaces in the building
2: there's uh all the walls on both sides of the library building and the um, senior center side the community center it looks like uh, the sheetrock halfway up the walls are missing um, the cement is—it's just all cement floors. There's nothing, uh, no carpet. It's all been pulled out. Um, the that carpet was just it full was of silt. mud. Yeah, and, yeah, silt and gross, and it was—it was disgusting. Very squishy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was—it was nasty. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, it's interesting to see some of the library signs still up on the windows, right. <laughs> and like the friends book nook sign, and you know the, some bulletin boards with some
1: it's just well, like this little happening. moment in time, <laughs> November 2021, the right. events that were happening and just that's why I'm here today. We're looking at how do we message and let people know what is happening here right. at the Sumas Library. Right. Our, our so, like underway the temporary services that we have and then the planning that's underway to bring library services back to Sumas.
2: Yeah, we are looking forward to when that happens. I know I'm excited to have people back uh, when it happens and we're trying to figure out, you know, maybe there's incremental ways we can come back which mm-hmm. would be great but uh we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens there's so many different parts that you have to figure out right and like
1: well let's walk together. into the library space yeah. itself so yeah this is a city-owned building and half of it was the senior center and the other half here is as a library looks much, the space looks much bigger because all the bookshelves <laughs> feel, are gone yeah <laughs> it's huge in here i feel like i should play basketball or
2: something yeah I mean, <laughs> It does. Uh, It's still interesting that all the toilets are in the middle of the library. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) it's
1: It's very glamorous (laughs) to have. Yes, we have lovely urinals and toilets here sitting on the floor and some fire extinguishers. And that's about it. Just a very open space. Again, all of most all the sheetrock gone because, of course, it was damaged with the water and the flooding. But...
2: We do have some electricity because that's what's holding our Wi-Fi. And Mm -hmm. that is back in the little closet where it was stored before. So that's exciting. So people who need Wi-Fi uh, can access Wi-Fi 24-7. Great. And tell us
1: what else is happening here for people in Sumas in terms of um, service. Like I'm looking out the big front windows that bring in lots of beautiful natural light into this space. And I see our big blue bookmobile out there,
2: um, Huckleberry. Yes love that name I yeah. always forget that that's what it's called but when <laughs> yeah. I say it again I'm like oh it makes yeah, perfect Taco sense Berry, yeah <laughs> um <laughs> yes we have the bookmobile here every Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. so for four hours every Friday and there's um there's almost every week, every so often it it doesn't happen, but almost every week there is a staff person that used to work at the Sumas branch here, so if you're kind of missing your staff people and want to come chat with us, we're missing you and we would love to come talk to you or have you come talk to us and kind of catch up and see how you guys are doing and how you're faring and uh, recommend you some reads if you need that, but um, just come in, and chat with us and, and let us know how you're doing. Um, and then there's also somebody from one of the other who works on the bookmobile regularly is the other staff person. Um, so that's, yes, every Friday, 10 to 2. And then we are also doing um, holds pickups just next to the library return bin where you return your library books. Um, we have a little temporary box there, plastic box, that um, we bring books up twice a week, usually Mondays and Wednesdays. I don't want to promise that that's every week, but (laughs) usually it's Mondays and Wednesdays. Um, And it's just like when you were at the library where you would get holds um, to come pick up, you would get a notification like you used to and say, hey, your holds are ready. They would be in the box. Uh, They are already checked out to you by the time you come pick them up or soon afterwards. Um, And there's just a padlock on there that we have, and we would give you the code. Um, one of the staff people would call you if it's your first time that you're picking up holds books and then after that we just assume you remember the code but you can always call and let us know hey I forgot what was it again Um, yeah and that's been working really well we usually have about 15 to 20 patrons every Monday or Wednesday that we bring books That's up for great. I'd say so. Yeah. People are really liking that. And one of the wonderful things about it is that it is available anytime that you're available. It's not just when the library is open. So it's a nice, uh, a nice new addition, a nice new feature for people to be able to just kind of come. So kind of a positive out of the negative, right? Right. Come, right. come pick yeah. up your holds when you can, even yeah. you know. That's really
1: convenient. Hard, and you know. I know that. Um, and so the holds pickup has been really popular and people are still learning about the bookmobile being here on fridays which is great but i also know that you and um, friends of the Sumas library and alex andrews the um, Sumas and everson the branch manager you've been talking to the community about okay when we can get back into the library um, and offer um, services again kind of what might that look like? And we are talking about, for instance, a Library Express right. here, which is sort of that same model of people being able to pick up pick up their holds when they want. And right. that's exciting.
2: It is. I, I think that's one of the most exciting things about, besides just being back, is one of the new things and one of the, again, the positives from the negatives is we're going to be able to have the Library Express um, out in the, it'll be kind of in the foyer.
1: Yeah, and those, um, so. those, those uh, library expresses are really popular. We have one in uh, Point Roberts and also at our Northwest Drive branch. And there's a small collection there, too. Right. So even if you don't have something on hold and you need something to read, you can come on yeah. over. Yeah. And then, of course, we'll have you know full library services again. And this is still a ways off. We've yeah. still got a ways to go we, yep, to get we, back in.
2: Yep, oh, We don't have a firm deadline, but, yeah, there's a lot left to do, a lot of moving parts to try and... Um you know the electric and the walls and the carpet and getting the shelving and getting the layout and all that stuff so it just takes some time but uh, we are working on it and we are excited to do what we can in the meantime to offer these various services to the community and um, we have do I know we have some programs coming up this summer we've got some programs scheduled for the summer Um, I believe there is a stargazing program happening. I don't Mm -hmm. think the date has been set yet, Mm -hmm. but there's that. Um, I think we are also doing a summer reading kickoff. I have heard rumors about that as well. Yes, you are. So we're doing summer reading here. Um, The friends of the library, as you mentioned, are helping um, doing things and raising money, and they're going to be having a movie night um, at our SUMAS Days, which is at the end of June. I believe it's June 24th. Is, is the movie night day, Yeah. so they're going to be organizing that. So we definitely have some events and stuff, and we're trying to do things with the community and for the community over the next few months, whenever, before we can have be back in the building. We, yeah. have, we have things planned out.
1: Yeah, we'll put something in the show notes um, for the podcast about where people can find out about what's happening at Sumas and how I can stay up to date with all that, but... Yeah how is the sumas community doing now uh, you know we're hearing in the paper that you know there's what about 50 percent of the community members are back in their homes but how's everybody feeling how, how what would you like people in the county to know about sumas
2: people you know i think it depends on the day i think some days people are like okay i got this but then other days they just look at what they have and how much work they have left to do to get back in their homes um, and they're like oh it just feels overwhelming or i've heard that there's still some people who are displaced and still don't know where they're going to go, um, and so that's still a little sad and disheartening. Um, but it, you know, it's still pretty quiet out here. Uh, like you said, there's only 50% of the population. So I have a friend who actually lives in town, and she walks her dog and says that it's she doesn't see nearly as many people. It's still quiet. Um, some of the businesses are not still fully open. Um, they've done the best they can, but. Um, so we're still we're still working on it, but I think in general it's a positive attitude and people are just looking forward to being back and looking forward to having their homes back and the businesses and the library and all the other services in the community and just, you know, coming back together. Um.
1: Well, I know people want to help, and, you know, Community Foundation did a great job of raising funds for Sumas, Whatcom Community Foundation, and then, of course, we have a uh, page to support the library too. Again, we'll put that in the show notes. But also, just come on out to Sumas maybe, yeah. and ha- you know, mm-hmm. get an ice cream cone. Come out and yeah. check out some come, of the new yeah. businesses, you know, and yeah. come to the bookmobile. You can—you right. don't have to live in Sumas to check out books no. at the bookmobile here no. on Friday. And you guys would love some visitors.
2: Good, come on out and see us. Yeah, you do not have to be in Sumas to come check us out. But yeah, come out, come check out the books, check out our, what we've got in the bookmobile, and yeah, just you know, Great. see what we've got out here. We've got. Great.
1: Yeah, and we're um, we're working on a special event for um, the anniversary of, of the flood um, here in Sumas, and we'll be telling people more about that. But Kayla, thanks so much for spending yeah. some time and for everything you're doing to continue bringing library services to Sumas. Right.
2: And well, thank you for coming out and uh, finding out what we're doing out here, and you know, we'll just keep keep plugging along. Okay, Appreciate great. It. Thanks. thanks. thanks.
0: I'm here with Jonathan Jacobitz, and Jonathan is the branch manager at the Blaine Library. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you. Can you tell me, kind of, give me the story of how you how you got to Blaine, how you became the branch manager here? Yeah. Well, let's see. Last time, last time I I did any podcast interview uh, with the Blaine branch manager. It was Debbie Farmer, and I did a great uh, interview with her. And now I'm back in Blaine, yeah. metaphorically, even. <laughs>
3: and here you are. Yeah, well, Debbie actually hired me in August of 2020, and I joined the Blaine team here as a system sub in the PSA Public Service Assistant role. So I was based out of Blaine. Debbie was my manager and actually did all my training and onboarding when I started. And uh, then I was cut loose to sub at various Watcom County Library System branches throughout the county here and uh, really enjoyed that experience of getting to know uh, the various communities where our libraries are, uh, the different, um, just a variety of our, our beautiful libraries throughout the county, um, getting to know all the staff members at different locations as well. And uh, it was great. But then I always always had the support of of Blaine and of Debbie, uh, just encouraging me and uh, helping me along as I, I learned the role here. Um, so I did that job at Blaine for probably about six months or so until I transitioned into uh, a new role as a PSA based in Blaine. So instead of uh, not knowing where I would work one day to the next, waiting for sub opportunities, I had scheduled days uh, here in Blaine. Um, So I, I did that for uh, about three, four months before Debbie retired. And uh, through that time, Debbie was encouraging me to, uh, put my name forward as a, uh, possible replacement for her. Um, so I had a lot of support and encouragement from Debbie and from, uh, the friends of the Blaine library as well and from staff members. Uh, so I, in July of, uh, last year, I took on the role of interim branch manager after Debbie left. And, uh, after that period ended, I took on the role of, uh, full time branch manager permanent branch manager so i'm very happy to to be in this role and uh just i'm thankful for the time that i had working with debbie because she was such a great example and really just such a big encouragement and support um it would yeah it was incredible just to have her encouragement and support um helping prepare me to take on this role yeah yeah
0: debbie is great and and it seems like a natural fit to have you here um, in Blaine. Uh, it just was seemed like a very smooth transition.
3: Well, yeah, I, I think a big reason that this transition has gone smooth is because Debbie was amazing at hiring gifted and skilled and wonderful workers. And there's just such a great team here in Blaine. It really has made this transition a whole lot easier for me to uh, – have the the honor and privilege to work with everyone here i think those that uh, frequent the blaine library know that we have a wonderful staff that uh, they're happy friendly engaging and helpful and uh, yeah it's just a great atmosphere here um and we have lots of fun doing our jobs we we're here because this is what we're passionate about and we enjoy doing it so yeah it's just a wonderful experience
0: and blaine is is a fun town to be in, especially in the summer yeah there's a lot a lot going on a lot more going on than people than people realize
3: yes, yeah I've really enjoyed uh getting out and representing the library at various community events over the past year. We had a lot of fun setting up a Halloween uh, it was a carnival themed booth at the trick or treat on the berm event uh down in Birch Bay along the new berm they put in there. Uh, and there were thousands of people that came through that booth that day, and they'd Man. spin a big wheel to win a prize—a candy or stickers or whatnot. Uh, just so many people in co- their costumes. It was so much fun. But you know, we've we've set up a uh, obstacle at the. It's called the Holiday Lights Obstacle Dash. It's a, it's an annual race in Lincoln Park here in Blaine with obstacles throughout the course. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so we set up a, uh, uh a candy cane themed limbo pole that, uh, <laughs> we manned, uh, and that was a lot of fun. We had fun dressing up like pirates and setting up a pop-up library at pirate days this last summer down at Marine park. Um, You know, the 4th of July is coming up pretty soon, and there's going to be a lot of activities here in Blaine for that with the parade and uh, the car show and, uh, well, the friends of the Blaine Library will have their their annual 4th of July book sale that day too where we'll fill our parking lot here in front of the building full of tables with tons and tons of books. Uh, It's a great fundraising opportunity that uh, the friends work so hard Uh, to help support the library through. So I I hope we see lots of people out for that again this year. Well, and there's something else coming up in May, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're we're excited. Uh, Yeah, I'm very excited to have programming returning, in-person programming. Um, We have a little bit going on now. There is a chess club that meets at our library once a week that a high school uh, chess coach kind of manages that. Um, And that's great. There's been lots of kids coming out to that on Tuesday nights. Uh, But starting May 12th, we're going to start up another program here. It'll run Thursdays weekly from six to seven. It's called the Blaine Library Running Group. And uh, it's part of a series of similar groups. There's going to be a walking group in Linden and in Deming. But here at Blaine, we're doing a We're calling it a running group, but really it's open to anyone, walkers, runners, anyone that wants to get out and move and connect with one another. Uh, I was a pretty avid runner for about a decade. I ran in quite a few marathons uh, to to various degrees of success. It was always uh, pushing myself to try again because I never got the outcome that I wanted. I'd finish, but I'm just not a fast runner. Yeah. Well, (laughs) but I you know, the thing I always wanted as a runner was a community. Uh I just you know, there are great running groups in Bellingham I could find, but I didn't really want to drive all that way from the county into the city to then go for a run with people. So, um I just hope this is uh an opportunity that people find uh and, and join in because it's it'll be a great way to connect with others at are interested in moving outside together. Um, you can make connections with other runners, with other walkers. Uh, if you're just starting out on your, your fitness journey and you want to kind of dip your toes into running, maybe get uh, up to speed for your first five K or just for jogging for 10 minutes, whatever it is. We're just all going to support and encourage one another uh, and draw on the shared experience of, of each other as we kind of navigate moving outside so and so so when is the first uh, the first meeting the first meeting will be Thursday May the 12th at 6 p.m. here at the Blaine library Uh, we'll meet here either in the meeting room or just outside the doors and uh, once everyone's here we're ready to go we'll go out for a 30 minute uh, run so uh, the plan will be to go on a pre-planned course and we'll go out for 15 minutes and then once 15 minutes are up just head back for 15 minutes and that'll get everyone whatever your pace is back to the library around the same time then Uh we'll have some time to stretch uh to to talk and uh and then maybe spend a bit of time talking about a running or fitness topic and discussing and you know if people have questions about uh anything we could definitely uh Hopefully, uh, draw on the collective wisdom of uh, everyone there. No, well, that sounds great. So yeah, l- look for
0: me there, and and those those of my my loyal audience
3: that are listening, come on out to Blaine Thursday, May twelfth. There's so many opportunities where it's great to get out and just engage with other people in your community uh, around a shared activity. Yeah, and be out out in the outdoors. Yep, and. It's a perfect time to listen to a podcast too.
0: Wow. Way to turn it way to turn it back. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well well, Jonathan, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you're a busy, busy librarian there in Blaine. Um, but I do want to ask you for some some quick off the top of your head recommendations. What's what's the book on your mind that you want to share with us?
3: Um, well, I just finished uh, recently The Maid by Nita Prose, uh, and it is a fairly happy book. Um, it's, it's a bit of a murder mystery, but it's really a character-driven story. It uh, centers around this uh, fairly uh, quirky character uh, as your protagonist, who's a hotel maid that gets uh, caught up in a murder mystery and it was just a fun and enjoyable read. Um, I enjoyed that immensely. Um, I do love a lot of speculative fiction. And mm-hmm. uh, I just finished Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. And that's the first book of hers that I've read. I know she's, she's uh, published to some acclaim previously. Uh, for instance, Station Eleven was... Uh, hit, and that was just yeah. made into a, uh, a miniseries on HBO, which was quite good. I watched that. But Sea of Tranquility um, is a work of science fiction that is centered around The idea of a pandemic, as it was written during a pandemic, but it carries it across time. Uh, It spans from uh, like the early 1900s, and then it it goes into the distant future, a a colony on the moon and further out in space. Uh, There's time travel. uh, There's some uh, disturbances in time. And, uh, yeah, it takes you to interesting places. Um, I, I really enjoyed that story quite a bit as well. So tell me those names again. That was The Maid by Nita Prose. Okay. And Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. All right. Well, Jonathan, it's been a
0: pleasure chatting with you. I always enjoy talking with you, and sometimes I like to record that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was wonderful. Thank you so much, Neil. And, uh, yeah. I'm I'm going to expect to see you on May the 12th. I will. I have it on my calendar right now. So, so barring
0: any uh, natural disasters, I'll I will be there.
3: Yep. I, Maybe we you can do a podcast follow up uh, <laughs> at a running club at some I, point. Too. I will
0: definitely be bring my tape recorder.
4: I'll look at the microphone. Yeah, it's now your best friend. I thought you were my best friend. <laughs> we can, you can have multiple best friends. I feel like that's one of the biggest lies that you get told as like a kid or stuff is that you can only have one best friend. And I'm like, I have six. That's oh, fine. That's such a theme in YA books,
5: right? Like the quest for a best friend. And I totally internalized that.
4: Yeah, it's changing now because it's all about the girly gangs. And uh,
5: I don't have a girly gang either. <sighs> A uh, uh, them gang? Uh, what would you do? Like I don't a- know. YA books giving me impossible squad goals. That's
4: true. That's true.
5: All right. My name's Amara Dosevich. I'm a collection development librarian here at
4: WCLS. And my name's Marie Gannett. Um I am a youth services assistant out at the Blaine Library.
5: And last week Neil asked if I would be interviewed about YA books for the podcast, because I just wrote a YA themed edition of our newsletter. And I said, no, I don't read an FYA for that. So let's interview Marie.
4: <laughs> yeah, I am somewhat of a YA obsessive. I grew up during the YA boom. Like I, not to be like that person, but I read The Hunger Games when it was on the new action adventure shelf at Barnes and Noble. So I was definitely on the wave of Twilight, which I heard about in a middle school book report. Um, Hunger Games and all of that into the future. So um it's always been a part of my life. And as I've continued into working in youth services and now it's part of my job.
5: <laughs> so I think I definitely read more YA now, like as an adult than I did when I was a teen. I think I may maybe just a little bit older than you and that mm-hmm. YA boom hadn't quite peaked yet. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's peaking now. I don't know. But I was more the Harry Potter generation mm-hmm. than the Twilight generation. Mm-hmm. Or like I was just old enough where it was fun to like poke fun at Twilight
4: yeah, so actually, this may not stay, but um, I learned about the idea of critical discourse and like analyzing books from my experience with Twilight. Specifically on Tumblr? No. Well, <laughs> ish. Okay. Ish. I wasn't a Tumblr girly, really, like kind of, but not really. Um, my big thing was I was a huge Twilight fan because I encountered it when I was in middle school, and I went to the Midnight. Release of uh, not Midnight Sun. It was breaking dawn. And I made myself a puffy paint t-shirt with all the different covers of the book. Like I was (laughs) that level of fan. That's adorable. Uh Uh-huh. And then I stayed up all night after getting the book. And I got to the part where Jacob imprinted on the baby. Spoilers. Sorry. And I freaked out and started yelling so loud that my dad thought like somebody was in the house and ran in. Um and I was just so concerned i'm like i'm reading a book where one of the main characters just imprinted on a baby like this doesn't come out of nowhere and so i went back and reread all the books and started reading like critiques of twilight online and was horrified and it changed the way i looked at media for the rest of my life now you've got some ethical questions that you're coming at your fiction with well yeah and i think about that era of ya and it was the wild west like we were reading about people who thought they were siblings like in a row like Romantic tension it was a weird time I'm specifically referring to the moral instruments if you were not um,
5: yeah I was w- not there
4: you were not there at that <laughs> time and honestly I don't know if I'd recommend being there at that time. It was very interesting though
5: but I feel like some of the books from that time like Twilight has sort of dropped off the like popularity map of like paranormal romance like we're not super into that anymore mm-hmm. but I feel like Sarah J. Moss has somehow <sighs> remained. And so Sarah J. Maas, you can correct me if I get the title wrong, but she wrote Court of Thorns and Roses. That's the first one. Yeah. Okay. So this series has kind of been, I don't want to say like the bane of teen librarians existence, because it's <laughs> not entirely accurate. Um, but this is one of those novels that kind of like blurs the line between teen and adult books, specifically with like sexual content.
4: Yep. So, this was actually a really weird moment in publishing because there's a subgenre of romance called new adult. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. So, um, there was kind of this idea of like some of these YA authors, let's try having them write new adult titles in genres other than romance. And A Court of Thorns and Roses was one of those titles. So, it was technically supposed to be a new adult fantasy. But what ended up happening is that there's not enough new adult books in existence for bookstores. Um, libraries, et cetera, to shelve them under their own section of new adults. So every bookstore had to make their choice, and libraries too, of whether to put this in adult or teen. I've noticed that a lot of chains bookstores put it with teen titles because that's where people know of her and where it's going to sell. And then independents and libraries tend to shelve it under adult because of the uh, spicy content. content That usually
5: teen books just don't have. So with New Adult, I feel like, you know, books like the Sarah J. Maas books, they're marketed as either teen or adult books, and then they kind of exhibit this crossover space where mm-hmm. everyone knows that they're a new adult book, but you might find them in either teen or adult.
4: Yeah, yeah. And that series became popular, but it never really took off in the way I think publishing was intending it to. It really has stayed more of a subgenre of romance and then this weird in-between space um, for series like... A Court of Thorns and Roses. Um, it never really became the thing that mm-hmm. I think they were hoping it was going to. Even though that series is like ubiquitously popular. So I'm not sure what, what were happened there, there. Too high. Yeah. yeah.
5: Well, I really enjoy, I think, a lot of new adult books because the setting is different. I tend not to relate to the high school setting mm-hmm. of a lot of teen books. But I feel like these these new adult books that a lot of teens and also adults are reading, they've got that same sort of, you know, coming of age transition theme, except it's not set in the hallways of your high school.
4: Yeah. And I think that's one of the big gaps in publishing that we're still working on addressing is books that aren't just romance that are about that age range Mm -hmm. um, that feel authentic because there's like a real representation of up to 18 as far as protagonists. And then you hit 18 and you go 30 plus and... Like it's mostly stories of older folks, especially like for um, femme presenting people like about motherhood and uh-huh. things like that. And Divorce and like midlife crisis. Yeah. Like
5: all of those kind of more literary themes.
4: Yes. And so that age range that's really pivotal and really interesting of like uh, 19 to 29. There's not a ton out there.
5: I think this is why the Sally Rooney books have gotten so amazingly popular because it's about people
4: becoming adults and it's messy Mm -hmm. yeah and actually I've noticed a lot of the people who grew up talking about YA and like social media platforms are now big Sally Rooney fans Uh and I wonder if that correlation exists there
5: totally I was thinking of Sally Rooney I also had a couple other ones down um Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell was one of the first I think Mm -hmm. newish adult books I think it was definitely marketed as YA because her other books are YA Mm -hmm. um what is it? Eleanor and Park yeah. was the one that, that got her famous. And yeah. that one's definitely a high school romance. Um, but Fangirl takes place in college. Mm-hmm. And I think I read it when I was in college. And it was the first time that I had ever read a book where, like, the character was the same age as me. Mm-hmm. And I just find that fascinating that they haven't tapped into that more.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, and it's a thing with library programming, too. There's, like, this assumption that that age group, because they're in university is not reading as much Mm -hmm. or is not participating in the reading culture as much. Um, And I know that it's a hard age group to program for in libraries as well, also because the perceived ideas of what time they have, whether or not they'll be there. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just kind of a weird age gap that tends to get left out.
5: So why do you think so many adults read
4: YA? I think there's a couple of things. Uh, That factor in first is that gap. If you're a young adult, like 20, anywhere from 20 to 30, there's not a ton of books that represent you. And if you're still in that kind of coming of age, which as um, common markers of adulthood, like getting married, and getting a house moved further and further and back for people. I think that desire for coming of age stories um, becomes stronger, you know, because you're still coming of age as when you're 28, 29. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of those stories um, that explore that time of life with tenderness and care are often in YA. Um, I think there's also a real love of consistency. Like you, you approach a YA title and there's wildly different books, like a Mindy McGinnis compared to a uh, Sarah dessen. I don't know why my brain went Sarah dessen, but that's where it went. Because that's our generation. Yeah. <laughs> but if you compare those two, there's nothing similar about their writing and their styles. I actually don't know Mindy McGinnis. Can you? Oh, say Mindy what she's McGinnis. Written? Um, you, do you know Rory Power? No oh my gosh, okay, you're missing the whole, like, weird queer YA fiction. Okay, well, you should should talk about that. Yeah, so I would classify Mindy McGinnis and Roy Power as weird queer YA. Okay, so the initial insult was pitched as, like, a retelling of um, one of Anchor Allen Poe's stories, which one I'm forgetting, Um, but also mixed with Tiger King, and it's essentially about this— Tiger King,
5: like, the—
4: reality TV show that got popular in 2020. Yeah. Like true crime. So it's, um, about these two girls, um, who live in the rural South, um, who used to be best friends and they have this really bitter falling apart. And so the girl who feels most jilted, um, by this falling apart. And also I believe is the more disadvantaged one as far as like economic circumstances, um, goes to a party that she knows her old friend is going to be at, lures her into the basement, and then essentially has her in a brick wall and says, I am asking you to tell me truly what happened during these times that are kind of fuzzy for the oh, main character. The Montiato. It's that one. Yeah, yeah. And every time. It's <laughs> pretty that, dark. Yeah, it's really <laughs> dark. And every time she lies, she's going to put another brick on it. Ooh. And also, things get kind of like weird, like what is real and what is not. Um, so. Yeah, Minnie McGinnis does dark stuff. Another one that she's probably more famous for is The Female of the Species. Okay. Which is um, a pretty angry book about the aftermath of sexual assault. Um, It's definitely one that I wouldn't recommend going into lightly, but it's fantastic. But she's definitely known for kind of dark, angry, and strange. I feel Um, like
5: that's a good reminder that not all YA is like fluffy high school romance yeah no which I think people kind of come into that with an an assumption about that
4: yeah that's the thing about YA is it's so deeply weird and it's where people tend to play more like YA was queerer and stranger before adult was Mm -hmm. like we're just starting to get like queer adult romances and YA has been doing it for like 10 years I
5: feel like adult publishing is still stuck on this like literary fiction is the pinnacle Mm -hmm. of fiction and so all of the diversity that we get in adult publishing is like struggle stories Mm -hmm. right so I I feel like people who want to see themselves represented in like a joyful way that's probably going to happy have a happy ending you have to turn to YA.
4: Yeah, and I mean, YA has its gaps there too. Like there was a real craze of like, let's publish all the black pain stories after uh, the oh, Hate You hate Give got so so popular. Um, but there is that turning pendulum towards more stories of joy, um, and I've been really happy to see that, um, and more stories that feature like black characters living their lives and experiencing their lives authentically but where it's not about like black issues if that makes sense like the distinction there being not every book that features a person of color has to be about systemic oppression
5: totally but I feel like that was the first step like yes, for a yes absolutely while. and then we're like oh wait we can tell happy stories And like, you know,
4: issue stories. Yes. Yeah, that's... You can have both. (laughs) That's always the wave. You start off with the big issue stories and then it becomes just more of an integrated part of all the different levels of genre. Um, Like, I'm really excited by the amount of, um, like... Um, African and African-American inspired fantasy novels that are coming out. Because for a while there, it was just Children of Blood and Bone. But now you have the Gilded Ones. You have Legendborn, which is a particular favorite of mine. If you love urban fantasy, if you grew up in the Mortal Instruments era, please, please, please read Legendborn by Tracy Dion. That's my plug. But any <laughs> whoozles, it's, it's fanning out. Like at first you really just had Children of Blood and Bone and now you could, I could name off like 10, 15 different, fantasy and urban fantasy titles that um feature um african-american um characters or african mythology just off the top of my head and that didn't exist in 2018
5: yeah i feel like when i was a teen all of like the fantasy were these retellings Mm -hmm. of like brothers grim stories Mm -hmm. which like was fun like I, i love a good cinderella retelling but like there are a lot of great other stories that maybe we don't need, you know, 15 retellings of the same story.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I've been really loving, um, the increase, um, in like, uh, retellings that focus on mythology and folklore from other areas, like the amount of Chinese and Japanese folklore that's getting integrated into retellings, um, is really exciting. Um, as well as some African folklore, as we've talked about. So it's really expanding out um, what is possible as far as what you're going to get when you walk into the YA section of a bookstore.
5: So you, you run the Barely Adulting Book Club.
4: Yeah, I do. So we're I talking do. about some like,
5: crossover books that teens or people who grew up reading teen books might like. So what are some picks been? That, that you've read together as a book club
1: oh gosh
5: so and maybe we've... you could first say like what what your barely adulting book club is and how, yeah how to join it
4: yeah absolutely so barely adulting book club is a monthly book club that meets at on zoom um we're a group of like 20 somethings or so essentially people in that transitionary like coming of age post high school um not all of us are college students or college grads or college students. So that's not like a requirement or anything, but just people growing into their professional personal lives as adults. Um, And the big thing there is that a lot of people in that age demographic grew up during the YA boom or kind of at some point of it. Um, And a lot of us, read a lot of YA um, and were exposed to a lot of YA books via social media. And so I myself have experienced this transition and a lot of my friends have as well, where you're trying to leave YA for books that more represent your current age and life experiences. Um, But adult is kind of strange and intimidating. And there's a lot of it. Like if you think of how much um, adult fiction, and like science fiction and all that take up of a bookstore or a library compared to teen, it's it's pretty daunting. Um, and so I wanted to create a book club that did two things, that brought a space for us to talk about our changing reading lives and our changing lives in general, and also every other month to read a book together that kind of bridges into um, the adult book space so we've read a bunch of different books and in fact when I was talking about crossover titles I mentioned a few of them one of the ones that comes to mind I think the first book we read was um vicious by B.E. Schwab actually which oh, yeah is, I haven't
5: read that but my coworkers workers have, have book talked it to me
4: many yes. times yes I mean if you do like nihilism
5: okay okay
4: you might <laughs> you might have some fun it's uh two nihilists don't have fun Whatever your version of fun is then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's about two college roommates who um, come up with this theory of how to gain um, superpowers, essentially, uh, and then become bitter enemies. um, And then years later, re-encountering each other in their lives. Um, So we started off with that. We've read Station Eleven. By Emily St. John Mandel, Circe by Madeline Miller, Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. Oh yeah, Kim. it was called Miracle Submarine, wasn't it? Yeah, we read. Oh, we read Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia, which um, actually spanned one of the book club members to become a Sylvia Moreno Garcia. Oh, that's exciting! Fanatic and has read. I think she's written a lot. Yes, and she's lit. I have a big thing for authors who are wildly different in every single one of their books, and while like a focus, especially on like. Uh, Mexican history and Mexican folklore is part of pretty much all of um, Sylvia Moreno Garcia's books. They're so different, like Mexican Gothic, Gothic novel, weird, creepy, gross, in the best ways possible. Um, Velvet Was the Night is a noir, but with a bent towards Mexican history. Um, and like, hard to recommend because the characters in that book are so mundane. They're just like the most deeply average people who get in their over their heads with a crime that they can't understand like one's a big daydreamer and pretty much most of the book is her of her section is her like musing about her ideal life that is never going to happen. Um and then you've got The Beautiful Ones which is like an old school like Jane Austenian romance. Yes, but that's there's, the one I
5: picked up and then I was like I don't want to read this. It's not a gothic.
4: No, no no, because <laughs> it's completely different. It's like if you want a Jane Austen romance but with magic, The Beautiful Ones. Yeah. And then the other one of hers that I haven't read is like a vampire novel. Interesting. So everyone is like completely divergent from each other, which I personally find fascinating because like, how does that all exist in one brain?
5: It's the multiverse.
4: Yeah. Honestly, because like I have two brain cells to rub against each other. I couldn't like, <laughs> I couldn't do that much different stuff. But um, yeah, so we read... Um, a title together every other month. And then on the off month, when we're not reading a book together, we just talk about what we've been reading recently. And what's really fun is that a lot of us follow each other on Goodreads. Um, and so I'll see a book I talked about go spread throughout everyone and their opinions. And then something they talked about get passed along around the rest of the members. And spread throughout. And it's really fun to then come back and be like, Oh, what did you think of that? And what was your thoughts on this? Um, so I really love that aspect of it, the community building, as well as watching people's reading lives change in real time, because I think that's one of the harder things about this transitionary period is finding what really works for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's so much out there. There's so much out there. And it's a really, big jump. Like, I feel like the differences between middle grade and YA aren't quite as stark as the differences between YA and adult. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, they all have their flavors, but I think especially when it comes to like pacing Uh and the emphasis of plot, there's more connections there when you make the jump from middle grade to YA.
5: So you mentioned Goodreads. Yes. How else do you find out about these crossover or why with adult appeal titles
4: um so i'm a big um book social media obsessive i've been on most of the book platforms uh since i was a kid so like i watch quite a bit of uh, youtube videos about books um affectionately called booktube though i find all the like portmanteaus for bookish social media mm-hmm. to be like a little cringe but i mean it's what we call it it's it's book talk book twitter booktube Bookstagram, book Twitter is not a portmanteau. That's true. Book Twitter is the only exception. But how would you do that? Bitter, bitter, Twitter <laughs> It doesn't work. Doesn't it doesn't work. have the same zing. So book Twitter is not a portmanteau. I don't want to be teaching people the wrong usage of words. That would be unlibrarian of me. <laughs> <laughs> what's funny is a lot of people who are on book YouTube, booktube, um, are not my age demographic necessarily, but have kind of gone through that transition as well. We're big YA people and have gone on to adults. So I watch kind of what they read and that helps inform me. Um, Goodreads I use as a tool, um, as a librarian, I do have to plug novelist because mm-hmm. while they're why I, I don't feel super great about their YA recommendations all the time. They're adult Books for young adults um, categorization tends to be pretty solid. Um, I also like looking through our hot picks selection oh, yeah. and then um, comparing those to like something like Novelist in Goodreads and seeing um, what uh, they're recommended against, what other readers have liked similar to those. Um, yeah. I tend to do a lot of gathering data from a bunch of different sources. And then synthesizing. But that's probably why I'm a librarian. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say the average average reader does not do that. No, 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 no. That's why you have friends, though, yes. who are readers. And then you get them to tell you to do things. Like I boss around my best friend. And I'm like, you should read this. And also as a librarian, you can boss people around and tell people what to read. I know. I mean, I... I Gently. Tr- Gently boss them. Gently boss. It's more of a conversation. <laughs> but like light influence. <laughs> um. But yeah, if I were to recommend one thing, I'd say book social media is better than you think it is. Okay. It can be a little homogenous sometime, especially because publishers know that people listen. And so they're like, let me push this book into your hands. Um, but it is kind of an accessible um, way to access book knowledge, because a lot of us are already on a social okay. media platform. So social media platform of your choice, just add some books into it. So if you could give a couple book
5: recommendations before we close out.
4: Oh, okay. So I am not a big historical romance person. I find it hard to approach. Um,
5: Is it the historical inaccuracies? Do they just make you cringe?
4: Yeah, or it's too historical. And I'm like, I don't care that much. <laughs> um, and also like the, the the gender roles can be a bit like strenuous for me or I mm, I've just never been a historical fiction person. Sure. I don't know why. I don't care, which is bad. Um, But uh, Tessa Dare is known for being kind of a big name in uh, historical romance. Um, These could be any recommendations, not just horse historical. Oh, but... But it was so good. But it was so good. Oh, God, the character dynamics, especially as you get further in the series. So the series is um, titled Girl Meets Duke. The first book is The Duchess Deal. And it's really fun. If you like a group of quirky friends, kind of the outcast, the down, uh, the... Um, outer edges of polite society um, coming together and getting their happily ever afters. It's very fun, good kind of witty banter um, and fun character situations um, as the series progresses and you know all the different characters. Um, So I've been really enjoying that. Um, Are we hoping for YA, adult, a mix?
5: I mean, whatever. Whatever. I read recently that you want to gently boss your patrons to read.
4: But also kiddos, my teens, if you're watching or listening to this, I'm not recommending Tessa Dare to you. This is is for the adults in the room. Um, So let's see. I recently also read for, we'll throw in one YA. Um, So Sabah Tahir, she wrote the Ember Quartet fantasy series and she did her first um, realistic fiction novel. It's called All My Rage. My only thing with recommending it is that it's a really big issue novel. A lot of bad things happen. These characters really go through it. Um, And there's a part of me that's kind of like caught up in the morality of that, like hyping up a book of hers that's so much mining her own pain because she's talked on her uh, Instagram about like, oh, I got like seven starred reviews and all it took was ringing myself out emotionally. And I'm like, oh, gosh. But she writes these characters... Um, and their relationship to their culture and their religion and food and family with such love and care. And you really just want to root for these kids, even when they're making mistake after mistake. Um, and it's just beautifully written and done. So like, even though part of me is like, oh, should I be recommending it?" It's so, so good. Um, and that's All My Rage by Sabah Tahir. Um, and then I'll do one more adult, but not romance. Okay. So this is an oldie, but a goodie. Um, this is actually probably in contention for my favorite book of all time. Um, I just reread it this year and that's in the dream house by Carmen Maria Machado.
5: You had a chance to recommend it and you
4: took it. I took it. I did. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a memoir, um, about, um, her experience, um, as a queer woman in a, uh, Female female abusive relationship, and kind of about what that's like when um, you're already a person who struggles with certain aspects of their identity. So, the complexities of being in an abusive situation where there's not a ton of record about female on female abuse or um, female on male. She talks a lot about that gap in history and understanding and how that makes it harder to process um, what she experienced, but it's also just written in probably the most unique way that I've ever read a memoir. Each chapter heading has Dreamhouse as, and kind of examines different tropes and, um, literary styles. Uh, and it reads kind of like a good Gothic horror, but it's all real. Um, it's quite hard to explain, but all I'd say is if you like like stories of people overcoming like really incredibly hard circumstances told with like heart and understanding and complexity than In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado is awesome. Hard to read at times, but excellent.
5: I'm reading a very easy to read book, which is the new Casey McQuiston.
4: <gasps> I kiss Shara Wheeler. Yes. I haven't started it, it yet. Is, is it good? Very funny and very lovely.
5: It is a teen novel. About the weeks leading up to graduation and Chloe's class rival, Shara Wheeler, skips town and leaves a bunch of little clues behind for Chloe and her boyfriend and her neighbor to find to, to find her. It's a very gone girl situation mm-hmm. where like Shara Wheeler's kind of an evil mastermind.
4: Okay, but also like queer paper towns, I'm also getting the vibes but like, of but
5: like yeah, also queer paper towns. Okay. Very much like the friends all find each other and are bonding over this strange girl skipping town and learning that she she's not who they thought she was. Mm-hmm. She's very mysterious.
4: Mm-hmm. I have been really excited about that one. This is also a blanket recommendation for Casey McQuiston. Very excellent new adult romances.
5: This one is actually her
4: first YA. Yeah, it is her YA debut, which has been funny. A lot of adult authors have been making the... Cross to YA, and a lot of YA authors have been making the cross to adult. So
5: it's working out. I'm enjoying it. Doing it
4: (laughs) absolutely.
5: Well, thank you so much for chatting about this with me. I I can feel the enthusiasm.
4: (laughs) No problem. This is pretty much like my dream to be paid to sit and talk about (laughs) book stuff and publishing and all of that. So I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we love it.
0: Thanks for listening. Find our show notes at wcls.org slash podcast. Many thanks to our guests and friends, Kayla Sams, Jonathan Jacobitz, Emma Radosovich, and Marie Gannett. And to my boss, Mary Vermillion, tradition is not the worship of ashes, but the preservation of fire. We'll see you next time.